Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies' Night on Lady Overlander Radio. Lady Overlander Radio is brought to you by Artemis Overland Hardware, Midland Radio, Timbo Tusk, U.S. Action Tracks, The Moore Expo, and Adventure Trail RV, creator of the Overland Shower. Mark your calendars for the Midwest Overlanding and Off-Road Expo, April 8th through 10th, 2022, at the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds in Springfield, Missouri. The Moore Expo is the Midwest's only indoor event for adventure travel enthusiasts. Vendors range from overlanding, kayaking, hiking, camping, and adventure motorcycling to off-road vehicle accessories, sports equipment, and survival gear. There will be live product demonstrations, training classes, live music, and much, much more. Join Lady Overlander Radio at the Moore Expo, April 8th through 10th, 2022. My guest on this episode of Lady Overlander Radio is Crystal Kelly, professional horse trainer, international overlander via horseback, and founder of Equestrian Adventuresses. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. So what we're doing here at Lady Overlander Radio is we're trying to promote more information about women that are getting out there and traveling and exploring whether they do it you know vehicle by vehicle by motorcycle on horseback however they get out there into the wilderness and explore and travel and see new things so i'm glad to have you on the show today because i know that you primarily overland on horseback so yeah the different like four by to, four <laughs> yeah exactly and probably much more reliable at times <laughs> So tell us a little bit of background on you, um, how you got to where you are in life right now, and how you got into overlanding on horseback. Yeah, so professionally, I've always worked with horses. Um, I was always a horse lover, you know, I was like the weirdo in school who liked horses. Um, But my family didn't know where I got it from. So they didn't, you know, we didn't, I didn't have horses growing up or something like that. But I just, I always knew I was going to pursue horses as a career and you know, it's just part of my blood, basically. And so that's what I did. I've traveled and I've worked internationally with horses professionally as a show jumper, as a coach, as a trainer, as a rider for the past 16 years in over 20 different countries and five different continents. And I was just essentially working at stables for a long time, you know, giving lessons or training horses and things like that. But I also started getting curious because I love to travel so much. I started curious about adventures on horseback you know like what would it be like if I just rode my horse into the horizon and didn't return (laughs) so that's kind of (laughs) what sparked it and I did kind of take my first step let's say I competed in the world's longest and toughest horse race this is in Mongolia it's a thousand kilometers it took me 10 days to finish but half of the riders who start this race don't finish Um, so the year I did it there was 40 I think 48 riders that started and only 22 that finished and I was one of them So, you know, that kind of was my first, let's say, uh, yeah, kind of overlanding. You know, I I went 
across Mongolia, a thousand kilometers and, you know, on 30, 35 semi-wild Mongolian ponies. It was kind of like the, if you could think of the Pony Express, you know, that was across the U.S. It's, it's essentially the, the postal system from mm-hmm. ancient times in Mongolia. So, yeah, that's kind of what I did. And, and yeah, that, that kind of sparked some new ideas in me. And I was like, hmm, I guess I don't just have to show jump, but I could actually do overlanding or I could do other adventures with horses. That's amazing. That that's that's got to be an amazing. That must have been an amazing, amazing ride. So, what did you learn from that? Did you? How did you prepare for that, like logistics wise? And what did you learn, kind of after the fact, from that adventure? So, if you've known me for like 0.5 seconds, you'll know that I don't plan things. <laughs> uh, I'm a oh, good. Planner. You're not. I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely don't. I usually book flights like 24 hours before I'm going to that country. Like, oh, I should book my flight, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm awful. I am, you know, I, like I said, I was working professionally with horses. So I figured, you know, I'm fit, I'm athletic, I'm riding eight horses every day. Like, how, how bad could it be, you know? Mm. I was also at the time living in India. Um, you know, most of the riders, they do get like food poisoning or sick from the you know, the mo- local Mongolian food, but I was living in India at the time. I'm like eating at the local tabas. And, you know, at that time I was like, I could digest steel at this point. So, <laughs> you know, as far as preparation and training, only allowed to carry five kgs worth of stuff, which I'm a pretty light traveler anyways. So yeah, for me, it was just kind of like, ah, let's just like, I've been training my whole life for this event essentially. So I, I saw it as kind of a challenge and I think that was, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was a challenge. Um, I don't recommend it for everyone, for sure. But <laughs> I, that was also kind of part of the fun, you know, was that it was a challenge and it was something unique and different. And it was, yeah, it was an adventure, really. So did you um, did you run in any kind of inclement weather while you were doing it? Or was it a pretty nice few days? So Mongolia is excellent in the fact that the weather can change like 20 times in a day. <laughs> so I remember I was on one horse that was, you know, I, I would have, um, you'd ride like maybe three or four horses a day if you were very fast. Um, and one of the horses that I had, each horse goes about 30 kilometers. And this horse went 30 kilometers at a full gallop. Um, he was awesome mm. to ride. He was so much fun. He was a stallion. He had places to go, things to do. I call him like he was very Californian, you know. And um, <laughs> and I remember on that particular horse, it was sunny, and then the hail came, and I, you know, hadn't even expected it, and so I wasn't even wearing a jacket or anything. And I'm not lying when I say these are like semi wild horses. They live essentially wild with no fences or anything. So it's not convenient for me to like dismount and casually wear my jacket and then get back on this horse in a hailstorm and then, you know, continue to canter majestically down the the field. You know, that's not going to happen. So basically no. what I did was I just turned my head down. I kind of buried my head in his mane. He's still running at a full gallop. Um, and all I remember seeing for probably like an hour was just his hooves, you know, going on on the dirt. That's what I saw. And the the hail was just pelting my back and I was – um, I did make it to the horse station. I just basically dropped the reins and said, okay, horse, take me where you want to because I can't see anything. And by the time wow. I made it to the horse station, I was, I mean, I was shivering. I thought I was going to have to pull out of the race because of, you know, hypothermia or something. Like I'm, I'm a Californian, so I'm kind of wimpy when it comes to the cold. But I was <laughs> definitely shaking. 
And I remember I, I, I just kind of collapsed when I made it. You know, we have to take, take care of horse first, of course, with the check and stuff. But once he was fine, I went inside. I ate a little bit of their hot Mongolian horrible noodle soup with fat bits. And I just piled myself underneath some, like, sheepskin rugs or something. <laughs> just coddled myself Trying for probably to... an hour. And then I, you know, sucked it up and got back on the next horse, basically. Wow. Yeah, you definitely needed recovery time after that, and I'm sure he did too. <laughs> yeah, That's... you know, the horses are Ooh. actually, they recover better than we do, I think, because, I mean, this is their life. Like, they, you know, for him, running around all that, I mean, I was just all along for the ride, to be honest. Yeah, that's uh, we. I did a horseback ride with my husband in Costa Rica, and uh, it did not end well for me. I I don't know what happened exactly. All I know is one moment I was on the back of the horse, and the next moment I was on the ground on my shoulder in pain. Uh -huh. um, oh. They they were the um, the horses that ride up the the mountain trails, and okay. right <laughs> right when we got on the horse, I I told my husband I said I don't this he doesn't this horse does not feel like he's steady on his legs and i'm not by any means an experienced rider i think i've been on a horse like three times in my whole life and i just had a feeling that he did not i don't know if he didn't feel well or if he had been overused or what but he just really did not seem steady on his legs and i made a comment to the the people that were in charge and they didn't seem to be concerned either and so the whole time i was a little nervous about the whole experience. And then we were coming back from the waterfalls that we had ridden up to and he just stumbled and I went over his head and it was not a good time for either one of us. Hmm. So <laughs> yeah, that's my know, vast experience <laughs> with horseback riding. Yeah. And you know, this is so, you know, obviously cause I work with horses professionally. So I'm, I was implementing a lot of riding, let's say foundations and curriculums in a lot of different unique countries. And mm -hmm. the thing is, and you know, you're kind of up a good issue, I feel, and that's something that I'm passionate and I talk about a lot is, you know, horse welfare. And when you find places to ride, you need to find places where they take care of the horses very well um, to, mm -hmm. a, you know, a good standard. But then also from a rider standpoint, you know, there's a big difference between these, you know, kind of like what you did, you sat on a horse three times and you went on this tour, you know, I don't, I don't recommend that for people and I don't associate or involve myself with those type of stables because I only travel, um, you know, if I travel with other people or with groups, like they know how to ride. They, they need to take lessons. If you come and you ride with me, you, I mean, you're, you know how to ride. So yeah, right. that's unfortunate that you had that, but unfortunately yeah. I do see that and happening and it's, you know, that's why it's good to talk about these things as well. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that once that happened, and we were a good f probably five miles from where we needed to end up again. And I refused to get back on the horse. You know, I know they always have that saying, get back on that horse. But I was not getting back on that horse. I knew that that horse was not feeling it. And neither was I at that point. And I walked him all the way back. And I could tell that the, the guy in charge was not happy about that whole situation. But I don't I don't know what happened to the horse after that. I hope nothing. Um, but it the, the whole experience was just not a good one um and i haven't been on a horse again since that but i just i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know if i a, will no and it's fair but it's also kind of a shame this is why you know, i'm a coach and i teach riding but 
you know, it's a shame because it's such an awesome feeling riding a horse mm-hmm. in the nature and in the countryside. It's a, it's a totally different feeling experience than if you were to hike or, or drive or, you know, I know you're overlanding mostly probably in cars or on motorbikes and things. It's such mm-hmm. a different feeling on a horse because, first of all, you can go in the nature in places that you can't with the vehicle. You just can't. You, you're dependent right. on some, some kind of roadish. <laughs> um, exactly. There's questionable roads, but roughly you need a somewhat road. You know, on the horses, you're in the nature. And also I find in a lot of the stables that I've traveled and worked with or ridden with, you know, the places that you go, they're so off the beaten path. I mean, you're meeting the villagers and the local people who they might have never have seen a white person before. They would have never have seen a woman on a horse before, you know. So when they see you and they're like, oh, my God, and they're running to you and waving and they're like inviting you over for tea or, you know, it's like a it's a whole different experience, I would say, on a horse. And then you know, you also see the nature differently. I actually genuinely, when we did our ride across Ireland, my husband and I, I genuinely feel after that experience, like our human brains are not meant to process things at 60 miles an hour, you know, when we're driving a car. And for some reason, just going along at this like three mile an hour, like walking pace for five or six hours every day, it was like I was seeing things differently and you kind of see the land differently. So you kind of start your day and then you go over this big mountain and you come down the mountain and you wiggle around and then you turn around after a couple hours and you look and you're like, oh my God, I just rode over that whole mountain today. You know, it just makes you kind of experience the land differently. So yeah, anyways, when you share that kind of story, you know, part of me, it breaks my heart because I want people to also experience it because it's such an amazing experience, but I want you to do it safely and smartly and not you know have a bad experience unfortunately like that oh i it believe me i agree with you 100 percent. and and i once the once i was in the experience and afterward i knew that that was not number one again like i said i had no experience and number two we chose poorly when we chose the ride that we were going on um you know and that's just it's a cautionary tale on my end but i can imagine like you just said though when you're on the horseback and you're going, you know, at a slow pace like that, you're not worrying about your footing, you know, like like you are when you're hiking. You're letting the horse handle that, you know. And yeah, there's this. There's you're a able to look connection. around and yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're, I think that's awesome. You know, you can feel their heart beating underneath you. You know, they have a brain, they have a soul, they have a personality. Every horse is different, and mm-hmm. you know, when you're, it's a partnership suddenly. I, I actually, I started one of the only riding clubs in the country of Bhutan. They used them only as pack horses. And then I came along and, um, you know, so I kind of trained one of the horses there and in Bhutan, it's quite steep mountainy terrain. And these horses are essentially mountain goats. So, you know, you would do fine on them <laughs> because they don't <laughs> They'd need be nice you. and sturdy for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They know, they know what they're doing. You just, you know, you're just kind of sitting around, but it's such a, some of the trails that we went up and down, and again, I'm only with advanced riders, you know, I'm not with beginners, but, you know, we're going up and down certain steep um, trails and things. And even the people who've been riding horses their whole life, you know, I had one girl turn to me and she was like, oh my God, can I take this horse home? Like (laughs) if my horse, my first world, like westernized horse was here right now, (laughs) I would be dead. (laughs) So yeah, it gives you this whole appreciation for 
horsepower. You know, it, it, we say horsepower, it means something different in a vehicle, but when you actually feel it underneath you, it really is something different. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and again, I don't want anyone to get the impression that I don't love horses because I always have loved horses. And I think that's why I have, even though I've always been a little afraid of them, I, that's why I have gotten on one three times in my life. Um, because I think they're so beautiful and just they're, like you said, the power that they have, you know, and how muscular they are and just watching their body dynamics when they're running is, is amazing. We've, we've been several places throughout the United States where we've seen wild horses and just, we, you know, we just sit there and watch them run. And that's always just amazed me how, how something so large can go so fast and get, <laughs> and, you know, get where yeah. it needs to go. <laughs> and gracefully. So, as well. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about equestrian adventuresses. Yeah. So this is kind of my community for women who love horses, travel and adventure, essentially like what you're doing. We provide a lot of information and tips for people who want to travel the world on horses and have fun adventures with their own horses or on horse tours or you name it. We, we have people. So yeah, we have a podcast, we have a Amazon prime series, we have books, we have a YouTube channel, like pretty much anything. And you know, you can read about it, listen to it, watch it. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And how long are the, when you, when you do a trip, how long are the trips usually in length? Um, so I'm not necessarily organizing tours or something. We're more about just providing information. I oh, tend okay. to do exploratory rides myself. Like I own two horses. I go and we just you know, laugh about our misfortunes and stuff <laughs> later when <laughs> you know, we, we don't have the hail on our jackets and stuff. Um, it's usually funny afterwards, but yeah, so we have our own two horses. So I, I actually live here in Italy right now with our two horses and we, my husband and I, we rode them across Ireland. That took us two months to do. We videoed the whole thing. So it, there's a, 11 episodes um, available on our YouTube channel and on Amazon Prime and stuff. And then I also went to Greenland and Greece and Slovenia. And again, we filmed the whole thing. So, you know, it is a, they won several awards and different horsey film festivals and things like that, these films. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of trying to inspire and encourage women, especially women more so than men, because women, I think a lot of us, um, you know, sometimes as women, we forget to put ourselves first. We also mm -hmm. have this fear of traveling solo. And, you know, I, I know I've mentioned my husband a few times, but my husband, you know, we've been together for a few years before we met. I was, I was just traveling around solo doing everything. So, you know, I've traveled to a lot of countries without him. I travel everywhere I go, I want to ride horses because that's just something that I love. And so I wanted to empower and enable other women who wanted to do something similar and be able to show them how, you know. And again, if, if you want to do it on a tour, then we have a free book that lists a thousand stables in, you know, 180 different countries that you can just go and download and find an actual stable to ride in. Um, wow. Yeah. So we have like all these resources and different things. We also have a women's travel safety course, you know, I just, I'm trying my best to just provide all of the information that I wish I had when I had started traveling, because I remember what I did was in Egypt and I went to the bookstore to try and find a book on like, you know, solo women travel to Egypt or something. I don't know what I was expecting at the time. Um, but I remember I found some kind of generic travel guide book and I opened it up and there was like a paragraph on, you know, women's travel or something like that, solo women. 
And it mm-hmm. said, like, in the first paragraph, you know, don't look me in the eye and wear a fake wedding ring and, you know, all of this scary stuff. And I just basically, like, slammed that book closed and threw it on the bookshelf and was like, you know what? I'm never going to look at these, like, travel books as long as I live. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, I, I just wanted to provide, like, the real information of what's the actual truth. Because I'm telling you, you can travel anywhere and everywhere. And if there's horses in a country, which there are horses in almost every country, um, then you can, yeah, you can ride and have adventures. That's amazing. And it's probably a lot easier logistically. Well, it's definitely a lot easier logistically than taking your own horse to several, to several of those countries. I'm sure is, is, you know, going and finding a good quality stable and I guess renting a horse. Is that how they <laughs> you yeah, rent a horse to, to take out or? Sort of. I mean, you know, you would do basically a horse riding vacation, I guess, kind of like what you did, except for, no offense, real horse riders. <laughs> um, yeah. Usually you would go out for a week or two weeks and, you know, obviously you have some days where the horse has the day off, but you would spend several days in the saddle. They have different rides, so you could do a point-to-point ride. So every night you're sleeping in a different place, so you're traveling somewhere with your horse. Some Some places, some countries do like self-guided rides where you can just hire the horse, they give you some maps and they're like, have fun. Um, Other places, it's a little bit more, let's say, luxury, you know, you can kind of ride around their one or two hour trail and then come back to your nice hotel and sleep in your bed and have your hot shower and, you know, job done. So yeah, there's kind of something for everyone, definitely. And then, you know, with me and my husband, we've traveled, our horses now have traveled to like four different countries. It's weird when I say it, like, I don't know, 90% of Americans don't even have passports and haven't left their hometown. And my horses have seen more countries than, you know, half of my (laughs) own people. Yeah, so it's it's so hilarious to think about now. Um, Obviously, it is more difficult and challenging, you know, taking them around with us. But it's been, like, really fun. And, yeah, I just, I'm really enjoying it. And my husband especially, because he was a bit like you. He didn't know anything about horses. He only just started learning because I was, like, required to marry me, basically. But he fell in love oh, with I'm it. Oh, I'm sure. Prerequisite, yes. <laughs> yeah, so he <laughs> fell in love with it. So, of course, he needed to have his own horse. So he has his own horse now. It's basically the love of his life. And whenever we would travel somewhere, he was just always like, I miss Q. Like, I miss my horse. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, he prefers having adventures with his with his love, with his darling. <laughs> so what's your, so Q is one of the horse's names. What's the other horse's name? Yeah, Lily. That's my Lily. Mare. Yeah, she's oh, the spunky, fiery one, just like me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was mainly curious about the logistics of that. If you are taking a horse into another country, do you have to go through a whole quarantine process or do they not do that for horses? So it depends, obviously, where you want to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, our horses, we bought them in England, and then we took them to Ireland, and we kind of overlanded across Ireland. And so for that, we didn't need a whole lot of paperwork. They have passports and things just like we do um, that shows that they have their vaccines and, you know, things like that. But mm-hmm. then when we brought them from Ireland to – they went to Germany after that, um, you know, I think within 48 hours or something before they – get on the transport you know a vet has to inspect them and do certain tests and things because they were crossing through England and you know the whole Brexit thing had happened so you know there was a little bit extra paperwork required for that but you know the transport company had mostly sorted all of that for us and then trying to get them from Germany to Italy 
you know, again, it's all in the EU, so it was kind of a pain in the butt because Germans take their rules very seriously and they <laughs> make, like, you know, just invent random papers that no other country is asking for, but they're like determined that you have to have it. And anyway, so that took us, it was kind of a nightmare, um, but we did it, you know, it was, it was a nightmare, but we did it and we just got those papers and just kind of silently just didn't protest and just did it. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we actually drove them down ourselves. So we hired a horse box, a horse transport, and we spent all night, all day driving them. And then we had to drive the horseback box back to Germany where we had rented it from and then make the trip back again. So we did a lot of back and forth driving um, it, yeah, between Germany and Italy. Um, wow. But yeah, if you wanted to, so some countries, you know, you can, of course, fly your horses from the U.S. to Europe and vice versa. It's expensive, um, but you can. I've heard of people sending their horses via ship as well from South America, again, to Europe or different places. I don't know so much details about that. Um, if you're certain countries, they don't allow you to export horses like Mongolia, for example. Those horses are very sacred to them um so horses are not allowed to be exported they cannot leave mongolia so if you wanted to ride across mongolia and you fell in love with your horse you're still gonna have to leave that horse in mongolia and then mm -hmm. cross the border and then find another horse to purchase is essentially how you would have to do it um you know my husband and i are not interested in that because obviously we love our horses and we want to take them everywhere so we just kind of go with them to countries where we can but that's the right. great thing about europe is you know we can we can ride around in all kinds of different places. That's amazing. Yeah, I was thinking, I was just thinking, I was like, the logistics of all of that, you know, traveling with an animal, especially a large animal, that has to be interesting in some places, you know, especially places that have the additional requirements, like you said about Germany, like, where did this come from? Why do we need to do this now, you know? Yeah, the secret That's... paper that only you've heard of. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's well, silly, but yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I mean, I've heard that from international travel friends that, you know, that happens with humans as well. You'll get to a check-in point or something in a country and they ask for something and you're like, no one in the last four countries has asked for this, but thankfully I have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've traveled, I have overlanded, by the way, in a vehicle. I drove my car from England to Mongolia and back again through all the stands and such. And that's actually how I met my husband. We met in Azerbaijan on this car rally. And um, so, you know, I, I'm experienced with crossing borders in all of these like BS papers that they ask for and all this bribing and all this. Kind of, I find it really fun. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a fun challenge for me. Um, but I will say with horses, it is such a different experience traveling because back in back in the day when I was traveling solo, I didn't you know, I could I was just me in a suitcase or whatever. And it was like I could abandon ship and just fly away if I wanted to. Yeah, you can't do that with horses, you know, like you have to care for them and they are the priority. And that was one of the biggest things about our ride across Ireland is every single night, like we needed to find a field for them for the night. And suddenly like, you know, my husband and I, we could have just, you know, probably slept on the street and been fine, but we have horses, you know, we had mm -hmm. to find fields for them. We can't just stand in a busy road in the pitch black dark at night holding them all night because we couldn't find a place for them so we had to so you know we were knocking on strangers doors like asking for a place to keep them for the night and so we had to worry about the horses first and then it was like oh yeah yeah we also kind of need a place to sleep <laughs> um but yeah it does make you i think yeah there's more responsibility but also at the same time it's 
you know, some people travel with their dogs or their cats or whatever. I assume it's a little bit easier because they're smaller, um, but it's essentially the same. It's like, it's your family member, you know, you're not going to leave your, your family member out in the cold for the night or whatever, you know, you're going to take care of each other and, and vice versa. The horse takes care of you, by the way. I mean, they definitely take care of you. Well, I'm sure that's a beautiful bond and, you know, that connection with an animal like that is amazing. And that's, that's one of the things that I was curious about is you bring, I know that, you know, you can stop and get water at streams, but do you know that that quality of water is good for the horse? Do you bring extra water? Do you bring any additional food or anything like that for the horse? Or how do you handle that? Yeah. So I will say in the beginning, we had such first world horses. <laughs> they were <laughs> such spoiled little babies. They wouldn't drink from a puddle these horses. And I remember, I mean, you know, they have to at some point, it's kind of like, well, you're thirsty and here's a puddle. <laughs> you know, um, the nice thing about Ireland is, I mean, the nice thing, it rains a lot. <laughs> it rains a lot. So there's a lot of fresh grass. Um, we purposefully planned to do a ride, obviously, in a country where we wouldn't have to carry the sacks of food or something like that, you know, so we did rely mm -hmm. on, again, finding fields and stuff. So as far as food, they were totally fine. We didn't have to carry anything. They had plenty to eat every morning and every day. Um, and we would always stop and take little lunch breaks and things. And they would nibble on on the grass on the side of the road sometimes. And um, yeah, but in the beginning, they didn't know about things like drinking from a river and drinking from a stream and drinking from a puddle. But after after they've been going for five hours or something, after we'd been doing it for a week or two weeks or whatever, like they were pros. <laughs> and now, you know, in Italy, it's funny, like my husband just went to ride his mare just yesterday and she basically pulled him to the drinking source. You know, a lot of horses, they would just kind of drink when they can sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, they might just, you know, like, oh, I'll drink after our hour long ride or whatever. But she was like, no, no, whenever we go on adventures, I don't know how long it's going to be. So I'm going to stock up on my water now and then you can ride. <laughs> yeah, so, we're going to take a break here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're more vocal about telling us when they need something. They also, I don't know, you know, how much your viewers want to listen to this. But in the beginning, they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't pee. <laughs> they're girls. <laughs> they wouldn't pee when we were riding them. And they were very shy about it. You know, they're like, no, I can't. And they would hold it and then we would dismount and then they would both have to find somewhere private that they could, you know, relieve themselves. But now, you know, again, after this adventure and stuff, they're, they see us coming when we're approaching the field and they're already positioning themselves and taking care of themselves and like making sure that they're ready for their adventure. Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just so funny to see how much they've changed over, over this kind of adventure. Yeah. Well, I can say that uh, for women who overland, that that becomes the norm as well. You know, after a while, you really don't care. You're just going to go to the bathroom when you need to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're good <laughs> at squatting, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Squatting and balancing your purse and your jacket and, you know, your toilet paper and sanitizer. Like, you can do all of that and you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I, I feel their pain. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, this is what I like to call self-promo time. If people want to follow your story on social media, YouTube, all of those places, how can they find you? Yeah, so equestrianadventuresses.com is the best place because from there you can pretty much find, you know, everything or articles or a podcast or 
books or whatnot. Um, I will say if you want to learn more about my like personal adventures with my husband and my horses in Ireland, then in book one, we share um, some of our stories riding across Ireland. And then also book four of the Equestrian Adventures series, I share like Greenland and, oh gosh, Romania and Italy and a few different places. So yeah, um, you know, I actually, it's so funny, I don't usually share my own stories on Equestrian Adventures. It's kind of about everyone else. So, mm -hmm. you know, you will find so many other women who are traveling and doing things. I mean, we've done over 200 podcast episodes and interviewing different women who do really awesome things. Like I almost sound wimpy compared to these ladies. <laughs> like they're like super hardcore. Um, some of them definitely, but then others are, are not so hardcore, but everyone has, you know, adventure means something different to everyone. And everyone has a story to tell. And so I really like sharing other women's stories and the bonds that they've built with their horses. So that's kind of my motivation behind equestrian adventuresses. So yeah, it's it's not really about me, but you can definitely find stuff, you know, with me in it on some of the books or on our YouTube and stuff. But yeah, that's that's definitely the best place to go. And then if you want to learn about how to ride, like learning how to ride and, and coaching. I am a professional coach, as I said. So I also have the International Equestrian, which is basically we have online courses and things about learning how to ride, learning how to be around horses. So if horseback travel is something that interests you and you want to improve your riding, then yeah, definitely check out the International Equestrian and reach out to me and say hi. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Again, that's at the internationalequestrian.com and yes. the equestrianadventuresses.com are two of her websites. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to Lady Overlander Radio tonight. Safe travels, friends. Mermaid Overlander out. <laughs>